Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Good evening, church. Good evening. It's good for me to be here this evening. Um, for those of you who are looking and wondering to yourself, that's a new face standing in the pulpit. You're definitely right. Uh, it's my first time standing in this particular pulpit, and uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I thank God um, for how he's been working in my life. I give him much thanks and praise. Um, so tonight, I'm exceptionally, exceptionally joyful for this opportunity. Uh, this week when the bulletin went out and I saw my name uh, for this evening's service. I was blown away just how um, God is using me. So I give thanks and I trust that tonight for you will be a rich blessing um, as preparing this was for me as well. Um, but before we start um, our service this evening, let's just give thanks. Um, uh, let's just close eyes. Father, I want to thank you for this evening. Thank you so much for uh, the opportunity we have just to gather together here in this local church. Um, thank you, um, God, that we were able just to sing freely such wonderful songs, Lord, such wonderful truth about you. Um, and, and so, God, here we are this evening um, worshiping the one true um, living God. I pray this evening, God, is that we, as we hear your word, Lord, that you would just speak into each one of our hearts, uh, just meet us at our particular place of need. Um, we pray that your word would go out, Lord. Um, change our hearts. Oh God, we pray that we'd be made more like Jesus Christ. Help us to love you better. Um, just bless this time now in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. As a kid, I used to love cricket. I still love it. Um, but, but growing up, uh, cricket was everything to me. Uh, I loved the South African cricket team. I knew every player in the cricket team. Uh, I knew what their high score was. I knew what their averages were. Um, even on holidays, when we went on holidays, Alan Donald back then was my favorite player. Uh, I used to paint my face, as I think many of us as youngsters in that era used to do. Um, but Alan Donald and uh, amongst many others used to be my absolute heroes. Um, I had posters around my room uh, of all my, my favorite cricketers, um, and it was an absolute joy for me to enjoy cricket. However, on the odd occasion, we got to go to Supersport Park um, and watch our favorite cricketers in action. And uh, one of the things we used to do, we used to try and go down to the edge of the cricket field to try and get signatures on these little bats that you used to get. We used to try and fill them uh, with as many signatures as we could, um, as we could possibly, possibly get. Um, but the problem was that as we got close to the field to try and get close to these cricketers, um, they built a kind of moat around the, the edge of the field and we couldn't get close to our heroes. Access was denied. I remember one evening after Bible study, Brandon, some of you may know him, um, and Amy, another good friend of ours, we went to the union buildings. Um, it was about seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, the intention was just to go and sightsee, just enjoy the city at night. And uh, what the plan was, was to get into the main section at the top uh, of the union buildings. Um, and so as we got there, we found that the gates uh, were closed. Um, so what we decided to do in our not-so-clever uh, state, we decided to jump over the fence and get into the union buildings. Now, obviously, union buildings is a government um, building, a, a terrible idea to do, a terrible idea of a thing to do. But as soon as we jumped over, 
I don't know where the guards came from. They appeared out of nowhere, and they quickly got us out of that place. It was a, a, a terrible situation, uh, but nothing more serious than that happened. And so in a similar way, us as human beings, uh, we have a problem. From the very moment that Adam and Eve sinned, all humanity's relationship with God had been completely severed. You see, in and of ourselves and our attempts, we do not have access to God. And before reading our text tonight, which is in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22, I'd like to look at the context uh, which leads us into this text uh, tonight. And just a disclaimer, we're going to be going through a bit of Old Testament uh, stuff, uh, but that is going to be really useful as we get thrust into the text this evening. But for our first point this evening, Jesus is greater, and that changes everything. Could I have a glass of water? Thank you, Peter. Jesus is greater, and that changes everything. The readers of this letter... Uh, to the Hebrews, they were Jews, and this particular uh, letter was written in about AD 70, Um, and this was a time where Jesus had already died, uh, he was risen, and he had ascended. The Jews in that particular time were saying that Jesus is not the only way of salvation. They were saying you had to sacrifice, they were relying on the old sacrificial system to be made right with God. However, Paul and the apostles, they were pretty much saying that Jesus, faith in Jesus Christ, is the only way to be made right with God. And so Paul in Hebrews chapter 10, just before our text tonight, uh, he compares this old way um, with the new way in how we are to be made right with God. So if we have a look in verse 1, the old way, it was chapter 10 verses 1, we see that the old way was a shadow of things to come. Another thing that I enjoy, uh, particularly enjoy, is aeroplanes. I enjoy aviation. Uh, I love the way aeroplanes work. And uh, on the odd occasion when I'm out in the garden or on a field, two glasses. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> and on the odd occasion when I'm outside, uh, Uh, a plane would fly over and I'd see the shadow move swiftly across the ground. And uh, because I love aeroplanes, I often wish that I could just jump onto the shadow and be taken along with this aeroplane wherever it's going. But it's not possible. There's no cabin on this particular shadow. There's no place for me to store my luggage. Uh, There's no seats on the shadow. Um, There's no way I can just get on this shadow and uh, disappear. So just as this shadow points to this real aeroplane, so the sacrificial system uh, in the olden days pointed to something which was far greater. You see, this old way of sacrifice was never meant to be the final way to make men right with God. It had no power to take away sins or to fix this broken relationship that exists between mankind and God. The sacrificial system always pointed to something far greater This sacrificial system, this old way, was simply a shadow of what was to come. Secondly, in this old system, animals had to be sacrificed year in and year out, over and over again. 
On the Day of Atonement, which was an annual ritual where the sins of the Israelites uh, were brought before God, the high priest would take two goats, uh, one goat sacrificed in order to make atonement for the sins of all the people in the Israelite community. The second goat was a symbol of those sins being removed from God's people. So you see the problem here in this old system. Repeat the ritual sacrifice over and over again, year after year. You see, if cleansing had taken place, why would this need to happen over and over again? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. You see, it's a shadow. It's powerless to take away sins. This old system could never be adequate to make us right with God, to allow us access to him. But let's have a look. That's the old way. Let's have a look at the new way in which we are to be made right with God. Well, just Hebrews 10 verses 10. By God's will through the cross, we have been sanctified once for all. Verse 12. Christ offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. Verse 14. By one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Verse 17. God promises to remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. And verse 18, where there is forgiveness, there is no longer any offering for sin. So you see here, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. The old system, it was a shadow. It was never meant to be that which makes us right with God. Jesus died once for all time. Sins completely forgiven. Not just past sins. His blood carries power. Past sins, present sins, future sins. In short, the sacrifice of Jesus is better than the old system. Jesus' sacrifice did what this Levitical sacrifice system could never do, make forgiveness of sins possible once and for all with a sacrifice that is never to be repeated. But this most wonderful blessing is only for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins. And just in this section, there is application for us here tonight. We are not so much tempted to, ter- to, to return to some old sacrificial system. Um, it's not our practice today. Um, but we are tempted, I believe, intentionally or not, to put our faith and to put our trust to make us right with God uh, in things that do not carry power. I find this EE3 diagnostic question extremely helpful uh, in assessing my heart. Um, So I'm going to ask that question tonight. If God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Perhaps some of you would say, well, God, I've done so many good things. Uh, My life is majoritarily majoritarily, good. shown by good works. Um, and perhaps some of you might say, well, I've been baptized. Um, I've partaken in communion and I'm a member of Central Baptist Church. Perhaps you, some of you might be trusting in your heritage. My mom and dad are Christians. My grandfather or grandmother have been Christians. I've grown up in a Christian home. And perhaps some of you might say I'm faithful in so many different ministries within the context of the local church. Our confidence to make us right with God can and must be put in Christ alone. No good works, no sacraments, trusting in our our heritage must be put in Christ 
alone. So just with that as a bit of a backdrop, let's read our text tonight from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. Um, Our focus tonight will be on verse 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So as I said, it is here in verse 22 that we're going to have our main thought tonight and and exhortation of this passage, um, which is let us draw near. And because Jesus is greater, we've just looked at that, uh, we can have confidence to draw near, which is our second point tonight. We can have confidence to draw near to God. So for these readers, um, drawing near to God was something that was quite foreign to them and and something that was quite fearful. It's something that they would have feared the idea of doing. We can see this in Exodus chapter 19 on Mount Sinai. Just before Moses was given the Ten Commandments by God, God instructed the Israelites um, several things to do. One of the things they had to do before God arrived on the mountain was to have their clothes washed. Um, Another thing that they were to do was to have a a boundary um, positioned around the mountain And any person or any animal that were to cross this particular boundary um, were to be killed. They were not even to be touched. They had to be killed with either being stoned um, or with an arrow of some sort. But you kind of get the picture here. See the holiness of God and the sinful state of man. We can't come near to this holy, all-consuming God. Another way these Jews may fear the idea of not being able to draw near to God was on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was quite a somber day, um, but probably one of, if if, if one of the most important days uh, on the Jewish calendar. This was a day when the sins of the Israelites were brought before God by the high priest. The offering was made in the part of the temple called the Holy of Holies, um, and this is where God's presence would appear. This process of entering the Holy of Holies could not be taken lightly. It was only the high priest who could enter, and he could only enter once a year. If the high priest failed to enter in a worthy manner, he would not live, um, and he would die. So, So you see just the holiness of God, and again the seriousness of our sin, the fear these Jews had at the idea of drawing near to this holy, all consuming God. Now, because of God's presence in the Holy of Holies, this place was separated from the rest of the tabernacle by a veil, this huge, heavy drape. And this represented this barrier that existed between man and God. But if we fast forward to Jesus on the cross, something incredible happened after Jesus died. Matthew 27, verse 50. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. And then verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. You see the miracle here? It was always access denied. Stay away, but now draw near to God. This barrier 
has been removed. The curtain is torn in two. Access to God is now available. We have direct access to God through the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. So with confidence, because of Christ, the curtain torn in two, direct access granted, we can draw near to God, which leads us into our final point. How are we to draw near? Well, we don't need to hop on an airplane to draw near to God. We don't need to be at a particular place um, at a particular time. The wonderful thing, now that access to God is granted, we can draw near uh, while we're at work. We can draw near when we're having coffee with a friend. Um, We can draw near when we're sick in bed. Uh, While we're in church, God is completely accessible 24-7, anytime and any place. Drawing near to God is also not a physical thing we do. Uh, It's rather an attitude and, and, and the affections of our heart in how we approach God. And we'll have a look at that now in verse 22, in how we should draw near to God. Well, firstly, we are to draw near to God with a true heart. Uh, Just Luke chapter 18, verse 10, as an illustration, the the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see the difference, how the tax collector came to God in earnestness? Notice that this verse doesn't say, draw near, but first have it all together. Come as you are, sinner, but come with a true heart. God wants you to come to him in all genuineness. God knows our hearts. He knows them inside out. He knows when we get up. He knows when we sit down. He knows our comings and our goings. He knows what we think before we think it. Psalm 139. We may as well come with an earnest heart. We can't hide anything from him. Therefore, draw near to God with a true heart. The second way in which we are to draw near to God is to draw near in full assurance of faith. We must come to God having placed our complete hope and trust in the saving work of Christ alone. It is only through Christ that we have access to God, only through the blood of Christ that our sins are completely removed. We cannot come having our hope placed in any good work or anything other than Christ. Hebrews 11, 16. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. We must therefore come near in full assurance of faith. One Bible commentator is very helpful um, answering the question, what is the biblical meaning of faith? Well, some say faith is merely believing certain facts. Uh, One popular Bible teacher says, saving faith is nothing more than confidence in the divine offer of eternal life. Biblically, however, the object of faith is not the divine offer, but the person of Jesus Christ. Faith Faith in him alone is what saves. Not just believing his promises or accepting facts about him, saving faith has to be more than accepting facts. Come to him in faith alone, apart from anything added. The third way, we ought to come with him hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. 
And this is a beautiful picture here that we have of deliverance. Once you and I have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins have been washed away. Our guilt is gone. It reminds me of the Passover uh, when the angel passed over the Israelites. They had to have blood sprinkled across their doorposts. Um, The angel would then pass over them and no one would be killed. The wonderful picture of, of guilty no more, conscience cleaned because our guilt is gone. In my own personal devotions recently, I was going through Ephesians, um, and I came across Ephesians 6 again, just spending a little bit more time in that passage. I was being reminded again um, about the schemes and the attacks from the evil one, and that we are in a warfare. One of the arrows that are pointed at us is that of guilt. How can God truly love you? Look at what you've done. There's no way God could ever forgive you. Look at how you just treated that person. Call yourself a Christian. Just look at how you're failing in your quiet times. And so the arrows come against us thick and fast. But believer, remind yourself that your sins are gone because of Christ. Bring to mind scriptures such as Romans 8 verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite, 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse and to forgive us from all unrighteousness. You see, hearts clean from an evil conscience, Christ has taken away our guilt, all laid upon Jesus at the foot of the cross. Believer, you can draw near to God because of Christ. It reminds me of that wonderful hymn, It is well with my soul. My sin Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And then just finally, the fourth way in which we are to draw near to God, having our bodies washed with pure water. So after having our hearts sprinkled clean, we must draw near having our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, this has been a difficult one to, to understand, uh, but it, some commentators suggest that this refers to baptism. Um, I found John MacArthur's comments helpful on this. Uh, this being washed with water has to do with our living, uh, with how the Holy Spirit changes our lives. These two aspects of cleansing are inseparable. When a man comes to Christ, they both take place. Christ's death pays the penalty of sin for us, and God is satisfied. And the cleansing act of the Holy Spirit begins to change us on the inside, making us and transforming us more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so he is satisfied. So just to conclude this message this evening, I trust that we've seen how access to God apart, access to God is denied apart from Jesus Christ. And perhaps there are some this evening who who don't know Jesus, uh, who have not yet placed their faith and trust in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, without Jesus, access to God is impossible. Eternity in heaven with God will sadly never be your reality. But this message is also good news. This Christmas story uh, about Jesus, this is a real, real story. The king who came to dwell amongst us, this king lived a sinless life. This king went to the cross to die on the sins and rose again. 
Put your faith in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven, making the vilest sinner clean. You see, access to God is granted by the power only of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Believer, this must bring joy to your hearts. Acceptance before a holy God. We too can and must draw near to him daily, lifting our burdens and sorrows to him, for he cares. Come to him, praise him, and adore him for the marvelous things with which he has done. Let this Christmas season be joyful. May it be focused on him who bore your sins. We serve a God who is near. We serve a God who is listening. We serve a God who is waiting for us to draw near to him. So draw near he has made a way. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for tonight and, and just this message, Lord. Um, thank you for this wonderful reminder that access to God has been opened. Father, the death of Jesus alone has made that possible. And so we rejoice and praise the Lord Jesus Christ tonight for what he has done. Father, work in our hearts, Lord, perhaps for those who, who, who don't know you. We pray that you continue to, to just work in their hearts. Um, for those of us who know you, Lord, may the season of Christmas, Lord, uh, be of much joy as we remember what the Lord Jesus Christ did, enabling us uh, to draw near to God with full assurance and full confidence um, of our faith. Won't you bless even now the rest of this service with singing. Um, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.